Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, the temptation of Jesus comes right after his baptism, but that is not the case in Luke. Jesus is baptized in Luke chapter 3 verses 21 to 22, and what immediately follows is Christ's genealogy. His genealogy traces the family tree all the way back to the first man, Adam. Question number one is, what is the purpose of giving us a genealogy, and why does Luke put Christ's genealogy immediately after his baptism? As I just mentioned, in Luke's genealogy, he starts with Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam. But in Matthew's genealogy, he starts with Jesus and only goes back to Abraham. Question number two is, what accounts for the difference? Finally, if we look at the entries in Luke and Matthew's genealogies, with few exceptions, the names are all different. Question number three is, why is that? In this short, I will answer these three questions. The first question is, what is the purpose of Christ's genealogy? This question is relatively simple to answer. Genealogies in general study families and trace a person's lineage through history. Genealogies were an important way to determine not only bloodlines, but also important social and economic relationships. Only people have genealogies, so the purpose of Christ's genealogy was to validate that he was a real person. It also authenticated who Jesus is. A person's identity was largely defined by their genealogical address. Nowadays, people may define themselves by their name, but in ancient times, a typical means of determining identity would be obtained by asking the question, to whom do you belong? A genealogy would answer this question and therefore validate a person's right to property and their role in society. Typically, a person only needed to name half a dozen people in a family tree to authenticate themselves. Yet, Matthew has 42 generations in his genealogy and Luke has 77. The second question is, why does Luke put Christ's genealogy immediately after his baptism? To answer this question, we have to notice where Luke starts and then ends his genealogy. He begins by saying, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Luke then goes up the family tree and ends by saying, the son of Adam, the son of God. So, Luke draws a connection between Jesus and Adam by referring to both of them as sons of God. In fact, Paul also makes a connection when in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 47 to 49, he writes that Jesus is the second Adam or the second representative for all of humanity. It is clear from everything Luke has already said in his gospel that Jesus as the second Adam, his identification as the son of God is not to be taken in the same sense as the first Adam was a son of God. Being a son in the Bible primarily refers to obedience. It is clear that Jesus is a very unique son by his conception by the Holy Spirit and by the Father expressing the fact that he was well pleased with Jesus at his baptism. Furthermore, as the second Adam, Jesus triumphed where Adam failed. In the Garden of Eden, Adam gave into temptation by Satan. He believed the lie of the devil and trusted in something other than God. 
what we are about to read after the genealogy is that the second Adam, Jesus, he will triumph when he is tempted in the wilderness by Satan in Luke chapter 4. On top of that, Jesus will continue to be tested throughout the rest of his life, but in all his trials, his faithful reliance on God did not waver. Jesus was obedient to the point of death on a cross. So why does Luke put Christ's genealogy immediately after his baptism? It is very fitting that Christ's genealogy is placed immediately after his baptism and immediately before his temptation by the devil to bring to the forefront the idea that as a representative for all humankind, the second Adam will triumph where the first Adam failed. By his obedience, the second Adam will regain what the first Adam lost through sin. The third and final question is, what accounts for the difference in genealogies between Matthew and Luke? In order to answer this question, it helps to understand why Matthew wrote his gospel. It was primarily addressed to a Jewish audience to make clear the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament messianic prophecies. Jesus is the king that Israel was expecting. Hence, Matthew traces the legal line from Jesus to Abraham to reveal that Christ is the rightful royal heir to the throne of David. Since Joseph and Mary were both in the line of Christ, the genealogies from Matthew and Luke both authenticate that Jesus had the right to be on the throne. So what accounts for the difference in genealogies is that while Matthew provides the legal line, Luke provides the bloodline. Joseph is the first man in Luke's genealogy, and although Jesus was not a son by blood of Joseph, he was a son legally. A son does not have to mean a direct lineal descent from one to another. Sonship also involves legal care, protection, rights, and inheritance. In the end, no matter how you look at it, the genealogy of Jesus Christ is going to be very, very unique because it involves a virgin birth. Jesus fulfilled the gospel promise of Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman, as in the seed of the Virgin Mary, would bruise the serpent on the head. Luke's genealogy goes all the way back from Jesus to Adam and Matthew stops at Abraham. Why is this so? Luke writes to Gentiles and depicts Jesus as the savior of humankind, not Jewish kind. It's his humanity that is important, not his ethnicity. So Luke goes all the way back to Adam, the first parent of humanity, to illustrate Christ's solidarity with all people. Jesus is a Messiah that transcends bloodlines. Now, all spiritual seeds that profess faith in Jesus are adopted sons and daughters in the family of God. Luke starts his genealogy with Jesus and ends it by saying, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam was similar to Christ in that Adam did not have a human father, but Christ was far different to Adam in that Christ redeemed humanity through his perfect life and his atoning sacrifice on the cross. If there is one grand idea that Luke communicates in his genealogy is that way back in the Garden of Eden, before any of the people in that family tree existed, God had the genealogy already mapped out and would act in and through reality to protect the line so that the second Adam would be born and triumph where the first Adam failed. 
God made a promise at the start of the Old Testament and worked all throughout time so that now in Luke 3, at the dawn of the New Testament, he could demonstrate that he made good on his promise to raise up a seed of the woman who would crush the serpent once and for all. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.